0: API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code INTERSECTION10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details. I'm Jason Harmon and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, Versioning and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Uh, sometimes I say, you know, we're going to do a little, something a little different today. Seems like the thing I always end up saying at the beginning of these, uh, and I guess it's kind of true today. Um, still API stuff, though. Uh, so first off, I'd like to welcome our guest, Mariuka Ninioya. I think I got that right. Did I get it right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, from Osango. Uh, she's a co-founder there. Um, and my uh, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself. My general yeah. sense is you guys do some sort of consulting stuff, but tell me, tell me yeah, more about we, what
1: we We do some sort of like, I think you've heard about APIs and <laughs> consulting, but we actually do some API business consulting. So we end up doing a lot of architectural stuff too, uh, and. Recently information uh, architecture auditing has been a trend for some reason but api's API business models API ecosystems anything to do with apis like IOt and and a lot of AI stuff and things like that and also training
0: got it um, what's the typical customer look like for you like you know uh, perhaps in sort of size scale whatever
1: yeah. That's a very interesting question, because when we set up the company, we kind of thought that the typical customer would be a SaaS company or something to do with software. And that was where we started. And one of our uh, first customers was actually from US usrev.com, which was kind of interesting. But then uh, it started evolving. So we did a lot of public sector work. And nowadays, we are doing a lot of like building, construction, farming. <laughs> and banking and uh, a variety of other things <laughs> related uh, stuff with with actually like really, really large uh, global companies. So it's super interesting. And, and we're working as part of the API collective, so we have uh, friends and colleagues <laughs> around the world, which is even more exciting.
0: Yeah, I feel like at Stoplight we've had... Um... Kind of a recognition thing over the last couple of years that it's like it used to be if you're talking to somebody about apis it's some kind of you know at its core a software company, and these yeah. days it's like you know our top customers sell beer and electrical parts and you know, <laughs> got all kinds of just industrial stuff yeah. right yeah. um so it's it's easy to forget that api's are everything everywhere all over the world now um, yeah. so yeah it's I feel like. When I sometimes think in my head, like, what if I went and did consulting right now? It's like, man, you learned so much about so many different things that you wouldn't expect.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I I spent some funny times uh, kind of using everything I knew about electricity and kind of like Faraday's gauges to (laughs) how some big, bulky electricity thingies work that are out there. So. So I mean, like, you really uh, I need, need to know, but also learn uh, about a lot of domains.
0: Yeah. You mentioned um, that a lot of folks are doing, I forget the phrase that you used, but sort of uh, sounded like domain language audit or something.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes people are kind of... Uh, we are doing actually information architecture uh, auditing, information
0: architecture, that's but, what you said. but yeah.
1: actually it it does touches the term domain, of course. Uh, but it's an interesting thing because we we are partnering with some some really great uh, design companies, for example, when they are now designing these cool experiences and awesome visions. But then, of course, there is that reality check sometimes that you have to do. And, and in UX, you, you're you used to having information architecture, but it means kind of how things are structured on the web page or taxonomies and things like this. So what terms are you? Now you? could you really need that kind of approach also with API design a lot of times, but actually you do need also kind of information architecture from the point of view of enterprise architecture kind of glasses. So there are lots of things that, you actually need to tie these kind of uh, tie all kinds of design activities, uh, commercial design, uh, UX design, different architecture designs around. And and recently, actually, we've been working with a framework uh, for for kind of how to this is going to sound funny, but how to purchase IoT platforms, <laughs> because the thing is that. Uh, it's a domain of its uh, on its own, but of course it's connected with different business domains, and everybody seems to have some kind of different ideas what is an IoT platform and how it works. And of course, it does have also a lot of uh, things to do with APIs. So I think that you could say that that we and probably some others out there are also working in this kind of a. Uh, interface between different uh, kind of roles and, and, and uh, domains, but also different silos in the companies.
0: Yeah, um, certainly in my own experience, but heavily validated here on the podcast, it's been really fascinating to see how often people say, like, you know, the the hard part is this sort of alignment of language. Uh, so we tend to it's like you'll hear vocabulary or grammar or you know different kind of ways to describe it but ultimately if you don't know how to talk about the things that you have you can't design anything much less the core you know core functionality built into your backend services kind of spreads and leaks out everywhere and if you don't get it right yeah that's right and and
1: i enjoy it because actually my background is is i'm uh Uh, I studied education in university, educational sciences, and also linguistic sciences. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: it's really, really interesting because then you understand that what people say might mean totally different things (laughs) to different people. But that's not often what people kind of in the business context think. So they think if somebody uses some word, it must mean the same thing as I'm expecting it to mean. And that causes a lot of confusion. And that's actually why, uh, I mean, we, we probably are going to talk about this method, APAP cycles today, but I actually created that method originally to solve that problem. Because I found that the biggest problem was that People from like design or product or architecture or different parts of IT uh, and developers, they were not just using different words or like the same words <laughs> or different things. Like validation for a designer is a different thing than validation for a coder, <laughs> just to mm-hmm. start. So, so uh, not only they were using different words or same words, but, but they were having different methods and different ways of describing things. And it caused a ton of confusion or things just were not moving. So an average API developing team was just not as productive as it actually could be and, and is not as productive as they could be because of these reasons.
0: Yeah, I was, I was kind of snickering to myself over here because um, I, I think of my past experiences with words like metadata I don't. I have no idea what that word means anymore because yeah. every domain wants to have a metadata thing, and every yes, time it's a definition, <laughs> that word's meaningless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I feel you on this one. Um, it's funny. I think in some ways we should almost be talking about APIs in, in terms of their usage internally, perhaps in sort of microservices and other things, as almost a communication tool. Yes. Almost more importantly than a technology tool
1: yeah yeah and and but it only works if people kind of well i i I hate this conversation going into that kind of uh uh either taxonomy or glossary or whatever vocabulary discussion or domain models. I mean that's one part of it, and yes, you can standardize it, but it's only one part of it. One thing is that it's kind of like it's not just talking but it's like requesting from another team <laughs> something that you know. I use usually often need this thing. Can you make sure I always get this thing I want, and I don't need to explain a lot of stuff? Like, if you every time every day you you wanted to have a cup of a cup of coffee from the nearby shop, and you had to explain them in detail what kind of cup of coffee you want, that would be really really annoying. Instead, you go there, and the, the guy there probably knows you already and gives <laughs> you exactly, you know, the right cup of coffee. So. That, yeah. that is the experience we want from the APIs so that they well, really
0: and have I think Perhaps something you're not explicitly saying but is yeah. implicit is that having a customer-centric view of how you describe things. Yes. You're speaking in customer language. Is, yeah. um, it, is, it's sort of an invisible level up for an organization to not have to quibble about the meaning of things. And when yeah. you turn around and talk to the customer, you're not confusing them with things they've never heard of either.
1: Yeah, but actually, that's exactly the inbuilt thing into APEP cycles. So, for example, today I've done a, a workshop with some Australian customers, and I just came here uh, to record the podcast from a session with some students, university students, and and in both sessions we were using this uh, canvas called value proposition API value proposition canvas from the APEP cycles, mm-hmm. and. And all those canvases in it, but but specifically that canvas are meant for you to kind of interview or think from the customer perspective, from the API consumer's perspective, and then uh, kind of map out the pains and gains and the needs, and then start thinking, okay, what kind of features we want to provide to these needs? Do we want to provide anything or do we want to provide something else? And, and all the canvases, there's, for example, a data requirements canvas, which is meant uh, to be a tool where people who don't necessarily know anything about APIs can just say, okay, these, I think, are the important terms or important words in this context. And these are the questions I would like to ask, for example, from the API. So, so the idea is that you can do a kind of basically the whole designing of the API interface, but also the business model and the kind of product market fit and even find any reusable APIs or any new APIs that you're missing with those canvases without actually knowing anything or not very much technical stuff. And the insight from, for example, the Australian customer this morning was that we really should have had more business people in the group that we had because then we could have really had the right conversation and that's what we keep telling people that you do not use these tools and these kinds and this method alone this is not the i'm an architect i go to my kind of box there and i draw some diagrams and then i come out and everybody just magically understands what this thing is supposed to do Uh, but it is a collaboration and communication tool and it's a tool to get fighting and, and <laughs> innovating around it. Like, what do we really, really want to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something uh, we've heard a lot of, too. And, and I think we've seen it in practical trends, certainly with stoplight customers, too, is that this the sort of historical perspective is like APIs are designed by, or, or APIs are implemented by engineers as a an implementation detail of some broader thing. Um, and that means that you end up with an engineer de- an engineered experience, as yes. we call it, right? <laughs> um, as opposed to what we keep seeing more and more of is like product managers and folks closer yeah. to the business side are taking a, an elevated role in that API design process. And really, the engineering folks are there to sort of call out those practical, re- you know, real world constraints that might yeah. hold you back from having the optimal model or something. Um, yeah. But the, the sort of locus of control of, of design a vp is changing in a good yeah, way and,
1: and and it's kind of it's i know this blows up some thinking that you have traditionally come to think if you are an enterprise architect information architect or somebody that you know if you have certain like let's say accounts products or something you know common that you can actually have multiple different apis for different with with different value props for different uh, use it, the users and segments of API consumers uh, using that same account, and it's still okay. It's not going to, you know, destroy your data management or do something bad. Um, but on the other hand, I, I loved it. We, we had a really kind of hectic session last week with a with a big energy company and. They were really kind of like, there was this whole business focused team thinking of what are we going to do with our APIs? And they were asking, well, like, as the last question, what API should we be building? And I'm like, okay, nice question after like 50 minutes of knowing you guys. But the really kind of right answer is like, look for problems. What are your customers and partners kind of complaining about? What are you complaining about? Those would be probably very good candidates to start with from a kind of design thinking mindset.
0: Yeah, it's um, for better or worse, I find that the process of people going, we need an API strategy, quite often <laughs> sort of shines a light on the fact that there isn't a real business strategy and people are just yes. being reactive. Yeah. And it can kind of lead into, yeah, like the API is just a, tool to connect things like what are you trying to accomplish as a business exactly and i think for folks that lean into it it really opens up all the right discussions but quite often that's where things go sideways really.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it it really depends who you are talking like who's your customer who are you, you are collaborating because of course if if the discussions are on the kind of wrong level of the organization or wrong part of the organization and there is no way for that part of the organization to communicate about a, a poten- potential change in business strategy, then it might be leading to problems. And and we've seen that kind of happen in a, a, in a few cases, but we try to avoid it. <laughs> we try to make sure that, that that doesn't happen, for example, before we start with new customers. Uh, but I was talking with a CEO, a CIO and, and he was really, really great. But once he understood that we might need to talk to business about, you know, these APIs and the strategy around it, he was like, oh, my God, but I can't, you know, because if I buy you in, then that's going to create problems <laughs> because I can't touch business. So yeah. we, we should get rid of that problem. Somehow. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I mean, that this probably is its own rabbit hole, but I think my experience yeah. has been that a lot of times there's, Tremendous information, compartmentalization, and kind of a a fear of overexposing business strategy that means that nobody really knows what it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which at some point, I feel like you know you go like, well, yeah, but if nobody knows, then does it really exist? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So look, you've hinted. Um, I, I think you know we talk to practitioner types, um, you know, working on a program at a specific product or company, oh. and and we hear this sort of thing, and you go, well, how do you do all this? And they go, just get the right yeah. people and get them in a room and a marker board, and you yeah. figure it out. <laughs> I think what I always enjoy about you know, and, and there's frankly not a lot of sort of folks that do this sort of strategic API consulting. What I love is the the once you've gone through that pain once, you want a repeatable method. You want something that yes. guides people through it, and you've kind of hinted at this API ops cycles thing. Yes. Um, so tell me more about it. I'm fascinated, actually.
1: Yeah, it, it's, um, it kind of was born because I was having problems, or, or rather, I was being successful, but everybody kept asking me, how did you guys do it? And I was like, I have no idea. And then I kind of... Pulled back uh, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm supposed to be a master of education. I must be able to crack this stuff. And then I was like, okay, there are some people talking about like API business model canvas, but that's it. There's nothing around uh, to it. And at the same time, we were actually doing a lot of product management related meetups and things like that. So I, I started thinking, okay, what are the things that businesses are using already? And what is the kind of methodology and, and, and who are talking and using which methods? I was like, okay, if we can pull these together, like product management, designers, uh, architects, developers, uh, everybody who wants to make things more efficient. So Lean and, and Lean was kind of connected anyway with DevOps and API ops and everything. So, so it kind of turned out to be a method and it's, it's openly licensed, so anybody so can use it. And uh, and and at first I was like, hmm, maybe this will work. We actually started trying it out with a big industrial company and it kind of worked. So then it started just, you know, going around the world. But I thought that, well, maybe some people use it somewhere. <laughs> you know, last year when I looked at the stats in December, I was like, oh my gosh, they're like, companies around the like all the world using it. So good. But we also did a big overhaul. But what you can use it for is is of course just designing one API or couple of APIs. That's totally fine. It leads you from the initial idea of an API to uh and, and kind of customer needs to the actual implementation and 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 then putting it publishing the API and things like that. Originally, one of the reasons it was created was also I was in charge with a quite big retail company and the API management uh, platform enrollment there. And the problem was that everybody kept pushing invalid APIs. Like they were pretty horrible. They they might even have done them according to some standards and tools, but they still didn't pass the validations. They didn't work. So we needed some Checklist of like, this is what you should be doing. And so in the method, there's also this API order checklist, which is quite versatile. You can use it if you are buying APIs or if you are building or designing APIs. And that's actually the most common thing that people are using from it. Uh, so, but you can also start building your API strategy using the method. So you just take a little bit of a more overview look. And you take, you scope an area of the business and you start using it. So for example, today we've just been uh, using it for exactly that purpose with a client.
0: Yeah, what I was fascinated by is that, uh, I don't know, it, it's funny because like these days people go, you know, are, are you API first? <laughs> like, are you doing API first? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, you know, it's kind of like when... When Fowler came up with the microservices term, is this a microservice? Yeah. I was that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> is it <laughs> yeah, micro? Like, yeah, really that was good like stuff. a five-year discussion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, sort of following the steps that are outlined here, um, I like that it's business first yeah. and using the sort of canvas, um, which I mean. I don't know for me just like something like a Miro does a pretty good job yeah. it just you know boxes and lines can go a long ways to getting basic alignment but like what does this sort of canvas look like in your optimum setup
1: well it, it's basically very simple so it has uh well there are first of all there are several canvases so there's a kind of uh set that you can follow and and be happy Uh, A lot of companies use this uh, API value proposition canvas and then the business model canvas. Hot tip, do not just use the business model canvas. You will get much easier life (laughs) if you start with the value prop canvas first. Um, And it's just, you know, there are some simple guidelines and boxes and there's a structure how you should do it and there are detailed uh, instructions uh, for it. And there's even like, in in uh, our Ozan Academy, there's even a two-hour course on how to use it with videos. Me explaining the whole thing. Um, so it's it's really kind of it takes usually people uh, first time maybe one and a, one and a half hours to start with the value prop canvas because they need to get their head around it and understand the product thinking and a lot of other things. But once they've done it. One time, it's usually like 30 uh, minutes to 45 minutes with the next session, and it gets like faster and faster. So we've had university students who have never heard the word API before, (laughs) and after they have been introduced to customer journeys and a few other things, they actually can make an API value prop canvas in one hour and come up with some really decent results out of it. So it's that easy.
0: Yeah, that's what's interesting, too, is like you mentioned that you sort of had an educational background. And I noticed yeah. you had kind of a lot of things pointing at sort of, um, you know, student resources almost. Um, so is is this something that you've actually got sort of university connections going with?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have already like a couple of years back, we've been uh having this online course, which is actually free open university course in, in Osango Academy with a university from Finland, uh, introduction to API economy. And uh, then we have an introduction to data economy with uh, another university. And then this uh, uh, course that I was talking right now is actually more hands-on. So it's a remote course uh, called Demi, which we actually set up with Cisco and, and uh, a Finnish university, and uh, and and also the introduction to uh, API economy course was actually later funded uh, more with uh, by Kone, which is a Finnish-originating elevator company uh, globally, and they wanted to translate it into Mandarin Chinese and German <laughs> because they wanted to educate uh, their customers and partners, and those are also available uh, for free
0: very cool um going down the sort of you know numbered list of things in this approach um and you had mentioned it earlier that the API audit was kind of a big thing um you know certainly in my my world I've always trying to think about um you know design before implementation it's like yeah. the sort of uh You know, design review process stuff is always front of mind, but this kind of reads like more of, you know, you already have stuff and you need to understand what it is.
1: Yeah, well, we divided it uh, actually in the new version to three parts. So there's like the first set, which is for the design. The thing is that um, a lot of people, especially developers, (laughs) they don't think they make bad APIs (laughs) until they... (laughs) They see some list that says, these are the things that a good API has. So, uh, And and then again, the bigger the organization, uh, the more likely it is that they have a ton of Confluence pages uh, guiding how you should do beautiful APIs. And nobody reads them, honestly, because they don't know they should because they are making these nice APIs anyway. Um, So the checklist was basically an attempt, uh, which has worked quite nicely, uh, to cut away 100 Confluence pages at first, and actually get rid of design reviews, I'm sorry to say this, mm. but combined with your wonderful stoplight, and this was not a paid commercial, but <laughs> kind of like, combined with the automation that you can get to review your APIs with this kind of like, these are the things that you actually need to think first and, and, and really design. Um, and, and you can't really automate them. So. So with that the checklist approach is quite powerful and uh and also some some companies our customers but but some others are also try, starting to do this kind of metrics around API design for example that well, how many good APIs we have for example so those kind of things like checklist and automated audits can help but the automated audits can only help with like the open API or other kind of Really fact-based things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. By the way, I'm kind of with you. As much as we are always like, you know, if you're not doing some kind of design review, it's a, mm. it's probably a bad thing. Um, I think maybe what you're saying is like the nature of that review should be more, um, sort of let's discuss the functionality and how it fits yeah. in the bigger yeah. like picture. Why are you, and you all doing that.
1: this API? Do you yeah. even know? Like-
0: they don't you know, <laughs> and, and especially with like spectral and and yeah. I mean even beyond stoplight, like there's yeah. plenty of tools out there to take the boring stuff and automate it and don't talk about it, right? Yeah. Just make it green. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, discuss it once, write a rule, and then never talk yeah. about it again. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, the only so I think as reason-
0: long as design review is like yeah. existential, like why does this thing exist? How does it fit into yes. the big picture? Yeah. As opposed to, you know, it's supposed to be dashes here and not underscores. Yeah. That's a waste yeah. of time. And, and
1: the thing is you can't have an intelligent discussion on the existential reason for the API if your team is really not in the right level of maturity to even you know like if I, I told somebody an organization was spending like two hours with every iteration of every API and everybody was really frustrated because the junior developers or developers who were not were newer to apis they came to the reviews and they were like here's my API. And then they were first asked, like, all those existential discussions and questions, and they had no clue. And then when you look at their API design, it's like, you don't have any status codes, you have this and this thing wrong. Like, if I'm just looking at your first endpoint, why would somebody spend hours reviewing this stuff? Because you can immediately see that there's a lot of things missing. Because this junior doesn't necessarily know, or they have been doing some other kinds of APIs or some other kind of software. They aren't just new to APIs. So first solve that problem, then take them into next level. It's like Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, basically.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that you broke down um, like this, this notion of sort of review or readiness is different at each stage. So like there's sort of prototype, then design and then production. it's like you've got different level of concerns at those different stages that makes a lot of sense in terms of being iterative and getting the important stuff up front and then all the little niggly things when you get closer to production
1: and and it's kind of also the whole thing is attempt to uh kind of have these lean principles in the method so lean uh is of course a management method but the, the DevOps thinking Kanban, for example, is very much based on lean thinking, even if people wouldn't know that. But, but the thing is, you're trying to reduce waste. And, and this whole thing that I said about the design reviews, there's, there was a like ton of waste. Because you were trying to review all the things from something that was not meeting even the first criteria. Why would you do that? But on the other hand, why would you even review the first things? Because you could take care of that the developers actually know what the first things are and that they concentrate on those. So there is this kind of uh, concept of eight wastes of lean uh, that is being talked about a lot in lean management literature. And there are all these kinds of wastes that are usually related to either too much stuff being made or, or. uh, waiting time or people needing to kind of jump around to complete their tasks and and, and uh, very many other things and uh, this is kind of the the point of the method so how to reduce the jumping around <laughs> the waiting uh, the general lead time so the the time to, to that it takes to complete things uh, an api and and also kind of reduce the Time that people try to understand each other and try to understand the guidelines and things like that, and and also kind of uh, taking reducing the unskilled work in a way. So I think it it really is even even though Lean Management might not be the developer <laughs> kind of <laughs> management book <laughs> of of the year, but I mean. It's really an important concept because, I mean, customers or management or whoever is always complaining anyway that, you know, why are you taking this much time? Sometimes some teams take years to complete one API, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's funny. I I spent a number of years in a manufacturing business and did, like, all the lean things, like, read all the books, did all the management training, um, up to and including, like, Kaizen workshops, yeah. right? Where you're standing around with stopwatches recording <laughs> pack time on how long it takes someone to pass a box to yeah. the next person, right? Yeah. But when I, I think uh, it, it instantly resonated for me, one, that it is a business centric set of yeah. concepts uh, that means you can engage folks outside of engineering, which is in yeah. a lot of places the big first challenge. Um, and two, that it's practical enough that if you went, hey, here's an example of what lean looks like, you know. Uh, like in my experience, you know, you go into the shipping department, and it takes, uh, you know, X amount of time to get a box through the shipping department. And yeah. if we can cut that down by sixty percent, then we've yeah. made everyone more productive. They're wasting less time on menial tasks. Exactly. That's that's always going to resonate with developer types. Of hey, you know, we're we're incentivized to be lazy, right? Like make it easy for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And everybody's bored waiting for the requirements that never come. Or yeah. an architect trying to explain, you know, I have these boxes and arrows here, and then the developer is like, where's my sequence diagram <laughs> or whatever. <it> <laughs> yeah. oh, why can't I just, you know, to use my notepad and design the API? So, so I mean, there's a lot of waste time, but I've found that a lot of product product managers, product owners, uh, project managers, for example, are also kind of excited from that point yeah. because they are uh Expect it to deliver, and they can't yeah, deliver I, I, if they don't even know what the team is supposed to do to deliver.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it makes sense though to, to apply that sense of um, look at the throughput of a whole system and find those sort of critical um, yeah. the the critical chain, right? Like, what's the? Quite often, it's like one or two steps in your your overall process that are eating up all your throughput. Um, so to look at the process of what does it take from the point that someone thinks they need an API and, uh, and it, and, you know, does it even fit into business strategy? Like all those things can bog down before, uh, before you even get into development. I mean, a lot of times API development's easy these days. There's so many good tools, but it's all the stuff around it that eats everything up. So
1: yeah. And it's actually funny that we've actually done, I mean, this would be a place for, you know, some scientific research, but People actually, if they are given a task that, you know, think of what APIs should we actually build based on this business case or whatever topic in hand. If they list at that moment the APIs that they think should be built, and if they look at the list of APIs that they should build after doing it with the value prop canvas and uh, even just the value prop canvas, it actually is a very different list. I mean, of course, there are some similarities but often it looks really different. And the biggest waste is that you build something that is big and beautiful uh, and has all the attributes and massive amount of endpoints or whatever, but it doesn't do what your consumers and partners and your colleagues and whatever are wanting you to do. And this is actually an interesting thing because a lot of times our customers now now are kind of, uh, either they are massive regulated companies who are used to delivering like really kind of slow motion <laughs> software compared to the uh, SaaS or, or kind of startup world, and but the startups need to use the APIs <laughs> provided by these uh, big companies, and sometimes there are really really, really uh, complicated partnership relations because you know you promise this feature for us you know, three months ago or three years ago, and we still haven't received it, what gives? So there really needs to be this kind of method. And we've had this kind of really good conversations and and, and things uh, around these kinds of problems with this method, because it makes sense to both parties, slightly for different reasons, but still the ability to deliver is the big thing.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes people want to slap me when I just Tell them simply, like, one, don't forget it's a product, treat it like any other product, right? Do all the same homework. And two, this is a design exercise. And if yeah. you just took a group of designers and said, here's my requirements, build it, they didn't do any research, they didn't talk to any customers, it's going to be subpar, right? And the same yeah. applies when you're designing this back end service that maybe no one's ever going to connect with externally. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like,
1: but but so. the problem there is that a lot of times people, uh, that are designing APIs or are designing the architecture that has APIs are not product management professionals or right. service design or whatever it is. And, and that is actually the biggest hurdle sometimes with some some people and some companies and some teams in starting to use the value prop canvas and other things in the API cycles because first you actually need to teach them what is the meaning of product management and product thinking?
0: Yeah, I, I've never specifically used like the um, value canvas thing, but I, I think the same sentiment applies as in these sort of workshop environments. I always tell folks, if we, if, if we invited a group of customers, say a feedback forum or something like mm-hmm. that, and we put this on the wall, where they go, yes, that's my things, this makes sense, yeah. right? If you can't pass that test, then you're doing yeah. it wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, validation yeah. is really important.
0: Cool. Um, Well, I could do this all day, but uh, people won't listen. Probably passed uh, about 10 minutes ago. We're probably over time as it is for uh, attention spans. But I I really appreciate you bringing all this uh, to us. And uh, I definitely personally have not. I've seen this, but not paid attention. And now I'm like ready to dive in. So I really appreciate it.
1: Sounds really nice. Thank you for inviting
0: me here. No worries. Um, Any other uh, closing thoughts or sort of uh, folks, uh, things that you want to share with the listeners here?
1: Well, um, I think we basically said it all. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that's fair. Maybe you
1: should just dive into the, all the material, maybe take a course or something. And, and by the yeah. way, there is a uh, the Eight Waste of Lean uh, e-book is in the Osang Academy, too. You can, uh, cool. Enroll there and download it.
0: Yeah, and as, as always, we'll have the blog post that accompanies this that has all the links in it. So be sure to check that out. Thanks again, Marjurka, and uh, really nice talking to you. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question. And we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.